in the following program are those of Koal Investment Group and its staff. Koal Investment Group is a registered investment advisor. Call 262-522-4040. Welcome to the Retirement Clinic with your host, Jeff Kowal from the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialists. Good morning. Welcome. This is WISN's Retirement Clinic with the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist hosting the show today. Welcome back to Aaron Spitzner. Welcome back, Aaron. Good morning. Good morning, too. And welcome back to John White as well. Hey, John. Good morning. Well, I got like the uh, the big the big guns in here today. That's right. Uh, Aaron and John have done the show many times. You're also part of uh, many voices you hear from the Colwell Investment Group. I don't know how many in all. Mm, seven, eight, nine that do our daily market. market yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Trying to give you guys a, a good idea of what's going on every day in the markets and, and how it affects uh, you personally, your retirement accounts, uh, maybe what's uh, moving the market on that particular day. But again, just a, a bit of an idea of what uh, has transpired throughout the trading day. Yeah, it's during the Mark Belling Show, 3 p.m. News Block, 5 p.m. News Block. That's Monday through Friday. Now, this show has been on WISN for many, many years. I could say decades now. We talk about one thing. That's retirement, and that's what you do at the Kowal Investment Group. Check out thekowalway.com. Lots of locations. The newest in Heartland, we should go over these real quickly, Waukesha, Port Washington, the Heartland location, the Racine location that's at Highway 20, yep. right off the freeway, and I think Spitzner, that's your? Yep, absolutely. We don't well, want to miss that one. Your digs, right? John, yes. do you work out of the... Uh, World uh, headquarters in Waukesha? Yeah, I go to Port Washington. I'm in Waukesha most of the time, and I actually have a Heartland appointment tomorrow. So for listeners, it depends on on what? It, it depends on where they are. You'll meet them anywhere. Right, correct. Any virtual meetings going on? Do you guys still do Zoom? You know, I've, I find that um, for some clients, that works out just as well for them. Uh, they may want to meet over Zoom because... They don't have to deal with the travel going back and forth. Sometimes it's a it's a fifteen minute conversation where you just want to see somebody face to face and uh, not to, again deal with the travel. So you hop on on Zoom and uh, share some documents, take a look at uh, their accounts, and and get things handled that way. So it can be a lot more efficient. And then for others, they you know we love to have them come in the office as well. So whatever I you know is best for the client, I give them that that option. You know what? Seeing somebody. Now, here's how I am. If you told me when I was a kid, I'm going to have a, a phone in my hand and using FaceTime, I can actually see the person I'm talking to, you know, like the future, that's there. It were there, folks. I don't FaceTime. I don't like it. I don't like looking at, like, my daughters call me. And they, well, why don't you go to FaceTime, Dad? Because I, I don't want you to see me. I got my cap on. I'm, my face looks all big and weird on the phone. So, so I, yeah. I'm old school. Yeah, you, you might have to adjust. <laughs> I don't think there's... Tr- what about there's, when grandkids come someday? And that's like, true. You're going to have to see them, and, and then then you'll you'll be on FaceTime all the time. That's true, and if it's part of a group, I've done it before, but just one-on-one. The thing is, it's there. We have that technology. Zoom is just one thing. Remember what was before Zoom? Skype. Yeah, Skype. You, you know, and <laughs> we did a, a number of um, phone conversations with our clients before... Um, COVID really pushed the whole Zoom thing. And I remember right before that, we had a lot of conversations about uh, having more client meetings over Zoom. Well, next thing you know, COVID pushes that forward. Everybody becomes very familiar with the technology. And now it's um, most people are, are, you know, they can just hop right on there and have the meeting. Uh, so second it kind of forced yeah everybody to get yeah. to get familiar with it. And I think it's a, a good thing for, for uh, 
I guess the long run, I mean, it's it makes it, again, a lot uh, more convenient and easier. Well, there's guys that used to have to fly to Cleveland for a yeah. meeting for their yeah. company. Now they just don't have to. It can save a lot of money. So uh, very efficient, too. So, again, technology-wise, check out thekowalway.com. They're also all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. It's all on the website, thekowalway.com. Later in the show, the sexy segment about wealth management and preservation Aaron Kowal coming up with the business owner segment, the boss segment. But we begin with Aaron Spitzner. Oh, one tease, too. There's an event coming up, John. I think you're a big part of it. Uh, we won't give out the details, but remind me to remind you. That's absolutely, my job. Absolutely. That's my job today. I've been told. So we'll announce that event. But to start the show, in a bit, you're going to find out in five minutes if you have enough money to retire. Aaron's going to explain what that means. There's also something going on in Washington, D.C. When is there not anything yeah, in D.C.? It, you know, it's it just more changes. And, um, you know, we stay on top of these things, have a good idea of what's going on in Washington, what's coming down the pipeline. And I felt it was uh, important just to share some of the the, the, the key potential changes. Um, again, there's a number of bills out there. Uh, but this this uh, article here, the Senate Finance Committee proposes the final text for the EARN Act, EARN, E-A-R-N. Um, again, one of those acronyms, uh, much like everything in Washington. Uh, this is the Enhancing American Retirement Now Act. No, oh, you're kidding. Uh, so, Wait, the, so the acronym is EARN? Yeah. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, so th- the news here really is um, they introduced the fully amended legislative text uh, on this Enhancing American Retirement Now Act. On This is uh, last Thursday here. Uh, this had previous, previously been passed in the committee 28 to, to nothing in June. Uh, so there weren't any big changes uh, within this act. Uh, they, they expect a successful vote on the final bill sometime between Election Day and the end of the year. Also in March, the, the full House of Representatives they passed their own companion bill, the Securing a Strong Retirement Act, again, another acronym there, uh, by a near-unanimous vote. So the, the two Senate bills are expected to uh, be a starting point for negotiations uh, with the uh, House version. So Now, in English, what does this mean? What yeah, does it that, mean to me? That was kind of my, I had to give you an idea of what's going on in Washington. <laughs> now let's talk about the, the meat of it here and a, what's, what's John, really going on. that was on. the politician side of Aaron no, Spitzer I, coming out. Don't ever compare me there. <laughs> <laughs> I would fail miserably. I, I, um, would you want to be in that swamp in yeah, D.C. and working there? Yeah, and even if you're a good guy, you get bounced out. Of course you do. So so here here's the... Uh, the uh, the meat of it here. Employers would be permitted to match student loan payments if they were 401k contributions to an employer-sponsored plan. So kind of interesting there. They'd be able to match student loan payments as if they were 401k contributions to employer-sponsored plans. So again, obviously an issue we have uh, with a lot of student loan debt. Obviously, you know, in the in the news lately, uh, but a way to to get those paid off quicker without the government doing it for us. Uh, yeah. Yes, which is a good thing. Um, also, uh, current- I, just for the record, I had to pay off my student loan. <laughs> I'm not sure about you guys. But. Uh, also, current law places a 10% tax on early withdrawals. Under the EARN Act, one could withdraw up to $1,000 per year for qualifying emergencies without tax penalty. Uh, then they'd have to wait three years until doing it again. So kind of an interesting thing there. You can tap 
up to $1,000 if you have an emergency from your retirement account without having to pay uh, a tax penalty. Up Cur- to up to 1000 Yeah. Currently, there are, you know, ways around the penalty. Uh, there are, you know, exceptions to it, but uh, this is, probably makes it a little bit easier to get a quick $1,000 out of your account. Uh, Americans age 60 to 63 could contribute up to $10,000 over the IRS cap. Again, currently, there's a, a cap on how much you could put into your um into your IRA, and this will just give you a little bit more cap space there. Required distributions, currently they start at 72, age 72, so that's when you have to take money out of your IRA. Yep, that I knew. Here they're looking at moving that out to age 75, but that provision would not take effect until 2031. Oh, So they're allowing you to keep your money in your IRA a little bit longer before having to uh, start taking a little bit out every year and paying tax on it. I know... If I want, I can start taking withdrawals from my, it would be a 401k, or is IRA the same? Yeah, you could, 59 and a half is you could the take that 59 and a half, but it, they make you start taking money out at age 72. This is yep. looking at moving it to age 75 uh, in 2031. Interesting. And then this this is the, the other one that I found to be very interesting here. Uh, currently, there's a tax credit for individuals um, if they make a contribution to the retirement plan. And again, they get this non-refundable credit. What they're looking at—that's if your income is under—I think it's around fifty thousand for individual, and like uh, I think sixty-eight thousand or so for a joint filing. And what they're doing now is, again, right now it's handled by means of a, a tax credit, uh, and they're looking at making it a a credit that would be applied or deposited into your four hundred one k. So if um, you know, you have a credit coming of $1,000. Instead of having that reduce your tax liability, you could have them, or you couldn't have, I mean, you would be forced to ha- to pick an IRA or a 401k to deposit that money in. So again, it's a way to encourage people to to really save more for retirement. And I thought that was a pretty interesting one. Now, again, that credit previously would reduce your tax bill. Now it would you would still have the higher tax bill, but the money would go into your 401k. Now, instead. for the record, these are being bantered about. Yeah. They haven't, it, it hasn't been, uh, so it's the, not law. Things may change a couple times between now and when it's actually passed, but uh, clearly here what they're trying to do is, is just to get people to, um, you know, we have an issue here with retirement savings and we need to have more people save for their retirement. And that's what a lot of these, these um, ideas are, are focused around. So, yeah. And- and we're living longer too, uh, I think. Our, I think COVID knocked it down like COVID a year or did two. Knock but it down, you're right. We, I mean, it'll bounce back, right? In general, yeah. as opposed to 1910, uh, in 2022, Americans are living longer. Means after retirement, I need some money. You could be retired as long as you worked, right? For some people. Wait, say that again. Let's say I work for 30 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I see what you're saying now. So I spent 30 years in the work field, dead workforce. Now I need 30 years of retirement income. Where am I getting that money from? Is it is it up to the government? Will Social Security be enough? Well, look at that. You, you've you um, transitioned right into my next piece here, Paul. Oh. Yeah, so, this, you know, I get asked, uh, obviously, in what we do, you know, do I have enough to retire? Yeah. And while things can get very complicated and complex, which... It should, as you become more serious about walking away from work, um, oftentimes I find myself explaining there's really a, a four or five things that you need to look at in order to tell yourself, do I have enough to walk away? So this is, uh, 
this is a segment we talked about. Find out if you're ready yep. to retire, and we're going to do this in well, so less five, than... It's about a five-minute exercise. <laughs> we can move through it quick. Take notes, everybody, and listen, because you one, might be closer than you think. Yeah, number one, figure out your expenses. Um, that's really the, the number one key thing. And if you'd have no idea, which most people don't, take two years of annual statements from your bank, divide that by 24, and that would be an accurate portrayal of your monthly expenses. So again, take your statements, take your debits. So how much do you have taken out? Uh, divide that by 24, and that's how much on average you'd be spending on a monthly basis. Now we have to account for taxes. So gross that up. Uh, so if your monthly expenses are $10,000 and your you know your tax rate is 20%, divide 10,000 by 0.8, and then you would need 12,500 a month. So that's another you know so. 2500 for taxes. And we assume taxes are going to continually go up. Unfortunately, yeah. Right? I don't think they'll go the other way. As I age, I mean, I, yeah. I'm 56. As I become 66, 76, our taxes taxes going to be lower than they are now? I highly doubt yeah, it. I, I doubt it. Right. So you take, in, so, so you take an inflation into account too, don't you? So, you, you know, with your tax rate, um, it... If you ask some CPAs, it's hard really to project out further than like three years. Um, so we go with what we have now. So here we're just saying 20% for this particular example. So 10,000 divided by 0.8, 12,500 a month. Well now, okay, so we now we know you need 12,500 a month. Uh, how is that gonna be made up? You know, How are you gonna fund that? Number one, social security and other maybe pension. So if you and your spouse are receiving 5,000 a month from social security, you know, we take 12,500 minus that 5,000. We're at 7,500 a month. That's what you need right now. Now, let's say you have a pension and that's 2,000 a month. So 7,500 minus the 2,000. Well, now we know you need $5,500 a month from your investments. Okay. So again, we started at 12,500. We subtracted social security at 5,000. We subtract, uh, subtracted the pension at 2,000. So now we're at 5,500 a month. So now, how much should we, have we saved up to cover this? So you take that um, 5,500, multiply it by 12. That's your annual shortfall. So that's 66,000. Divide the 66,000 by 4%. Because again, our safe rate of withdrawal every year is 4%. That's the four. We, yeah, we tell everybody, you know, on average, you could, you know, safely take out 4% of your portfolio yep. each year. Yeah, can I just say behind the scenes, yep. John White has got his calculator out right now doing yep. this. So you take that uh, 5,500, again, that's your shortfall, multiply it by 12, because that's how much you need in that full year. So that's 66,000, divide 66,000 by 4%, and you get 1,650,000. That's what you need. Yep. Uh, and that would be a good starting point. Now, that's not necessarily like, hey, I did my retirement plan there. There's a lot, other, you know, a lot more things yeah. to look out for. Now I'm done. That's a good starting point, though. I mean, that's where we would then want to take a look at some of these, um, you know, put it in our, our financial planning software. But stress before, test we, things. before people yep. panic and go, that that's unattainable for me, I'm X amount of years old and I don't have significant savings, you can, first off, you can start saving anytime, right? And everybody's different, Aaron. But yeah. That number may not be the number for I, everybody. I can tell you right now, I mean, in this example, the expenses are, are pretty high at yeah, 12500 a month. That's, that's quite a bit. For, yeah. for most people, it's not that high, but it is a, a great starting point is understanding the expenses and, and what you're going to be spending in retirement. That's almost equally as important to you know, focusing on your investments on a day-to-day -day basis because you, if you have a ton of expenses, you're going to need a bigger portfolio value. So 
the you know the less fixed fixed expenses like a mortgage, car payment, things like that, the lower you're spending on a monthly basis, the less you need from that portfolio. <laughs> Look at lifestyles, right? Yeah. There's the lifestyles of the rich and famous, then there's a the guy like me. <laughs> If I get a fish fry on a Friday night in old fashioned, that's good. That life is good. That's not that expensive either. That's getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> Depends on where you go for the fish fry. But yeah, I mean that that's basically it. In five minutes you can figure out, you know, do you have enough? And then from there, then you want to go and, and uh start taking a deeper dive into the And that numbers. was we went I mean, the way you did it was easy to follow. If you missed that, just talk to an advisor, reach out to the Cobalt Investment Group. They focus on retirement. It's what they do. It's what they do best. The Kowalway.com. Here's the phone number, 262-522-4040. 262-522-4040. The Retirement Clinic on WISN, Saturdays, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Today with Aaron Spitzner and John White. That was a good segment. I liked I liked that little Snapchat. Like, that's everybody's question. Do I need to retire? I also heard it was a million. Well, no, some people are saying it's more than a million. I think the answer is it depends, and every case is different. After the break, Aaron Kowal's Boss Minute, that's for business owners, their savings and security. John White, you've got something for us today regarding Roth conversions. That's right. We're going to talk about Roth conversions, um, different rules around them. And, uh, yeah, very, uh, very important issue for a lot of people looking to retire. And you, yourself, uh, are doing a... I don't want to call it a seminar. It's an event. We'll say it's an event. And you will give us the details when we come back on that event. A lot of information on the website, thekowalway.com. This is News Talk. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Retirement Clinic on WISN. I'm Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute, business owner savings and security. It's about owning your retirement, not just your business. Estate planning isn't a topic many people like to think about, probably because no one wants to think about what happens when we are no longer around. But all too often, avoiding the topic only creates a big mess for your loved ones. As a business owner, it is your responsibility to have a plan in place, not only to protect your family and your business, but to help alleviate unnecessary stress during this emotional time. An estate plan will allow you to prepare details for your business, as well as personal needs. You should include your succession plan for your business. Who does the business go to? How and when should it be sold? Who is handling what? Consider including letters and documents to make your wishes very clear. The more organized you are now will mean less confusion later. Additionally, you should be sure to update your plan as life changes and connect with your estate planning attorney about every three years for edits and updates. If you need assistance with estate planning recommendations for you and your business, give our office a call today at 262 522 4040 or visit thekowalway.com. Back with the Retirement Clinic Saturday mornings with the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist, John White, Aaron Spitzner in studio, and I'm Paula Cronforst. All right, now, right before the break, Aaron laid out this uh, Do you have enough to retire? Find out in five minutes. We walk through it. We got the numbers. John, you've got a segment on Roth conversion, but there's a PS. You wanted to add something to Aaron's conversation. Yeah. So, you know, what what Aaron mentioned is is good information. It's a good kind of back of the envelope almost kind of calculation. What what he assumed, though, is, you know, you're getting you're withdrawing your assets at four percent. But what that means is you're not touching the principal there. You've got money left over at the end of this plan because you're going to get some growth in that money. Hopefully, hopefully the markets are good and you get some growth. But it assumes you're not touching principal. Um, well, let's make an, an, an. It also assumes you could pretty much retire forever on that number. 
as long as your expenses stay more or less the same. Yeah. You're, you're living off the interest, not touching the principal. Right. And you need one, what was it, 1650000 Okay, well, what if you do have to touch the principal? What if you're taking a little bit more? Well, this is basically called an amortization calculation. And we're assuming a 35-year retirement window or four, 420 months. And basically what that's telling me is, hey, you don't need 1650000 You need 1200000 but this means you're slowly eroding away your principal every year. So by the 420th month or 35 years later, you've got nothing left. Um, so, so there are different ways of doing it. Um, that is the 4% withdrawal rule, and it does assume certain rates of return. With the amortization schedule, it assumes you've got nothing left after 35 years. It's way riskier doing that way, and it also makes the assumption that you're getting the same market return every year, which is never true. The market return is always all over the place, which is why we tell clients- Is there like an average of those, like since 1929s, right? Yeah, since absolutely the right. There's, there's an average rate of return, but the market, as far as I know, is absolutely nuts. And to try and get a, a, a don't get me wrong, averages are handy. Just look at the last three years. Exactly right. And I so, mean, I mean, COVID, I get it, was right. a part of it, but man, that's, oh man. That's why we add that fourth dimension to a retirement plan, which is the Monte Carlo stress test, which we basically take the standard deviation of the portfolio and we run that a thousand different times up against those assumptions that Aaron just made. So, you know, living this long, spending this much, assuming this rate of return, assuming these taxes, but let's also throw up against those assumptions the absolute craziness of the markets and try and figure out a percentage probability of you having success, which is basically not running out of money. So there's different ways of doing it. There's the amortization method, which is riskier, uh, which is the one I just talked about, or there's Aaron's method, which is the 4% withdrawal rule, not touching the principle. Yeah, you hear for the 4% rule. That's what we're talking right. about. Yeah, Trinity University did a study on this, and they basically said, okay, you know, assuming that you get a 7% real adjusted return, what can you draw out of the portfolio without touching the principle? And the number was four. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's something. So I got a question for both of you because John, you got to spend some time in Roth conversions before we leave this. Though, do you have enough to retire? The fear is running out of money, right? Is do most of the clients and do you, is the assumption when they sit down and I discuss my retirement plan with you guys at the Coal Investment Group that I don't want to touch principal? Is the goal to live off the principal and not touch it, or is reality set and say, well, sooner or later you're gonna have to eat into that? So that's a great question. I have some clients that are okay with bouncing a check to the grave digger. They, yeah. they want to spend that money I've got 1.5 mm -hmm. and I plan on spending every cent. Right, exactly. And then I have other clients that are like, no, no, no. I, I want to, you know, I'm okay to touch some principal, but I want some money left over for my kids, for a charity, whatever it is. And your money still works for right. you in retirement, right? Right, absolutely. It, it, that's the yeah. whole beauty of having the right, right plan, working with somebody that knows what they're doing. Right. I, and that's the thing. When I talk to retirees and you see them transition from working life to retirement life, they always come in after their first one or two years of retirement and go, I hate the fact that the market is down and I don't have an income anymore, which that's to be expected. That's, um, that's your first year yeah, in retirement. Absolutely. That, that's got to be a weird feeling. First off, you've been working 30 plus years. You don't have that regular paycheck. Your benefits, if you had benefits with that company, are gone. You mm -hmm. have to you have to have health care, right? Right. We don't want to go without that. I know Medicare is, what, age 65. So, um, boy, like I almost feel like I should go to Aaron Spitzner and say point, counterpoint. Any retort to that? No. I, the one thing I'll say about the... You know, you you asked about, you know, touching principle. And I think, you know, for most people, 
early in retirement, um, they're they're okay with diving into it because they're traveling more. Uh, they want to enjoy each other, you know, while they're healthy. Yeah. They don't know what is in the cards for them. Nobody knows, right? Yeah. We don't know our future. Do it now. And a lot okay. of people know a family member or a friend who retired and you know a year later uh, died or was oh, I, sick i hear that story all so the time. for a lot of people you know they want to travel and do those things while they're early in retirement which sometimes requires them to go over the four percent which is okay because then for most people later on in life that's gonna the spending is gonna come down and uh, it'll all average out in the long run after all i did work all those years yeah so you just in, enjoy yourself now the risk of that is if you're spending a little bit more in a down market you know that that can be a risk to the plan, but uh, at one point, what was it? One point six, I think we're looking at. Yeah, that can go down pretty fast. Yeah, you know, so, depending on what you do, what yeah. you buy, and how much you spend. Yeah, so you know, for for most people, that that's kind of how it ends up playing out. But um, uh, I, yeah, I can see the uh, you know the other side of it too, where you know. You know, taking out just the the steady four percent and being a little bit more conservative, and then if you have a little bit of extra, um, you know, in in market growth in any given year, maybe they'll take that off the top and and spend that money in that year. So oh, they'll kind of play it that way. There's different people do it different ways. Whatever you know makes them comfortable. And kids are listening right now, thinking, but do I get any? You know, am I in the plan? There might be a trust and an estate plan involved and beneficiaries. Some people really desire to leave money yeah. for their children. That's fine. Some people don't care. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine too. Every yep. family's different. So I like running the numbers. Uh, that was a great exercise. And and John, you coming back with different ways to look at it too and touching the principle. Good stuff. WI Sense Retirement Clinic switching gears to talk about Roth conversions. And then after this, John, you've got an event that uh, you're a part of that's coming up soon. But first, what about the Roth? Right. So Roth conversions. Uh, I'll go through some examples. But first of all, you know, um, who can do a Roth conversion? If you have a traditional IRA, you can convert that to a Roth. If you have a SEP IRA, if you have a simple IRA, as long as you've had the simple IRA for more than two years, you can do a Roth conversion. Um, if you have a 401k, a 403b, a 457, um, and their plan allows it, you could do a Roth conversion. Um, if you're a spousal beneficiary who inherits an IRA or an employer-sponsored IRA or 401k, you could do a Roth conversion. Um, however, if you're a non-spouse IRA beneficiary, you cannot convert those assets. But if you get um, a 401k and you're a designated non-spouse beneficiary, you can put that into a Roth conversion. So there's lots of different accounts out there that you can actually convert the, the dollars from a, from a pre-tax to a post-tax. Um, a lot of different rules. Oh yeah, there's lots of rules. And that's what I'm about to go over. Uh, but when you think about the, the Roth like from a you know million miles up, I think about the Roth this way. Um, the Roth IRA allows you to eat your vegetables now and get your dessert later. <laughs> I mean, basically, right? Let's face it. When you convert these dollars, you're going to have to pay some taxes. You so, have so I can have my vet, my vegetables and cake too. Right. Exactly. Right. Whereas with the traditional IRA, you're getting your dessert now. In other words, you don't have to pay the tax dollars on that now, but you're going to get your vegetables later because <laughs> come seventy two. Uncle Sam's going to say, take money out of the IRA and give me my taxes, please. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, at the end of the day, when you're doing Roth conversions, you're having to consider quite a few things like life expectancy is a part of that question. 
Um, typically, the longer you have to live, the more sense it makes to do a Roth conversion. Um, where's the market at right now? If the market's down, now might be a good time to maybe do a Roth conversion because you're going to have more dollars buying cheaper assets that have a lot longer time horizon future growth-wise because there's no taxes due or mandatory withdrawals due on a, on a Roth IRA. Um, what are future tax rates going to be? That's going to be a big part of it. No one, of course, knows the answer to that question. Um, Unless you're Nancy Pelosi. But uh, at the end of the day... <laughs> and she's not telling us. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of assumptions when you come to do a Roth conversion. Estate planning is a big part of this now with the SECURE Act. Um, kids that inherit a, a Roth don't have to obviously pay taxes on that money. And they're going to have to spend it within 10 years, yes. But at the end of the day, there's no taxes due. So if that's important to you, you might want to consider doing a Roth conversion. But there's a lot of rules. Um, and I, was, I think the best way to go over this is just to give you some examples. So first example... Um, let's say you're under 59 and a half and you have to start with this premise. Every conversion has its own five-year clock. So first example is in 2020, uh, James is 25 years old and he converted his entire $40,000 from a traditional IRA to a Roth. In five years, when James is 30, his Roth IRA is now worth $50,000. And this is how it's made up. $40,000 was a conversion. He did that back in 2020 when he was 25. He contributed 6000 to the Roth in 2023, and he has $4,000 of earnings. So in 2025, at age 30, what dollar does James have access to tax and, penal and be penalty-free? And uh, what if he did another conversion? So, first of all, contributions are always no tax, no penalty, always. So if he put $6,000 into a Roth of his own money and he needed to back out, there was no tax, there was no penalty because that money's already been taxed. Mm -hmm. Now, the conversion that he did, there will be no tax and there'll be no penalty so long as he distributed after five years or the big O-R, the big R. Capitalized, right? right? Both it's, letters. It's very important, that, yeah. that word R, or he distributed it after 59 and a half. So he can get that conversion so long as he's had either five years after he did it or he's older than 59 and a half. The earnings, well, there'll be no tax or penalty if he distributed it after five years. And here's the big one. And <laughs> so and so it's or or and. Right. And he's 59 and a half. So if he were to get those $4,000 of earnings, he's going to pay a penalty if he were to do it now because he's 30, he's under 59 and a half. Even though he's satisfied the five-year rule, he's still not older than 59 you gotta, and a half. You want to avoid all of these penalties. They can really oh, be yeah. costly. Absolutely. And, and add up. But you can't get away from paying Uncle Sam. They're going to always come in and get their pound of flesh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're seeing that, like, you know, just with, with uh, some of the things that Aaron was going over before with these new tax laws and the SECURE Act. That was a big part of that. The government is hitting fast forward on tax revenue. They're doing that with all these IRS agents now. Right, there's more than seven thousand right. agents. They want more tax now because the baby boomers are retiring at ten thousand a day, and they need more tax revenue. I mean, why? Um, why else are they hiring so many? Absolutely, so there's got to be a reason. Yeah. So there's a lot of political will to get more tax revenue, whether that's through the Secure Act or more IRS agents or, or whatever it is. Those tax credits that Aaron was mentioning before. Hey, get a thousand dollar tax credit towards your IRA. But don't put it towards your taxes, because we need that tax money now. I mean, yeah. that's just another way of doing it. Yep, yep. You always have to plan for the taxes. So that example before was for someone that's under 59 and a half. What if you're over 59 and a half? So here's another example. In 2020, when Susan was 60 years old, she converted 100000 from her IRA to her Roth. And this was the first time she's ever 
put into a Roth ever. Um, does she have immediate access to her $100,000 of conversion dollars? The answer is yes. Does she have immediate access to her earnings tax-free? The answer is no. Uh, not tax-free. Right. Because with the conversion, there is no tax, no penalty if distributed after five years or she's uh, distributed after 59 and a half. So she satisfied the 59 and a half number, but she didn't satisfy the five year. But because it's an or, she can get at the conversion dollars. But if there was earnings on that conversion, she needs to have held it for at least five years and be older than 59 and a half. Well, she's older than 59 and a half. She's 60. That's good. But because that conversion is not five years old yet, the earnings part of the conversion will be taxed. That, that five-year window you said to pay attention to at the beginning right. of this. Yeah, you got to watch that five-year window. Yeah. It really is, yeah, it's it can be hey, very And tricky. Roth conversions just in general on this show, the retirement clinic over the years, it's a big topic. It's a hot topic. Why? Because the Roth is such a good, I guess, such a good tool to use, right? Right. right. You're, you're getting growth and it's all going to be tax-free. I just can't see why politicians like their taxes now. So that's why they're actually big fans of Roth. So I've got some clients that are concerned that they're going to take away the Roth or somehow going to tax it. They'd rather pay us pay up front. Exactly. They already have. And so that's why I think, you know, and of course there's limits, right? You can't put a hundred grand into a Roth unless it's a conversion, right? Um, the, con the contribution limits are pretty low and there's those income tests as well. So at the end of the day, the politicians love their Roths. Um, they're not going to get rid of them. They're not going to start taxing them. I don't know, unless it would be some sort of extreme, like we're at war and we need tax revenue. And sorry, we're going to start taxing. I can't think of anything outside of some sort of crazy special circumstance. <laughs> I know what some people know. in the audience are thinking. <laughs> we're, get, we're getting pretty darn close in this country. <laughs> right. uh, you never know. This is why we vote. Hopefully, yeah. you show up, right? And vote the way you want, want to. But the, all of these tax laws and taxes, as we said, are probably always going to go up, not down. Very important to do it the right way. Well, I'll go one more example. One more. Um, I know these examples, it's pretty hard to, when you're listening to them, but third example. So you're just under 59 and a half. What happens now? So in 2020, and I can't, yeah, let's use the name George. When George is 57, he converts $250,000 into a, from his IRA to a Roth. And this was his first ever conversion ever. But he started his Roth 10 years ago with a contribution. Does he have immediate access to his $250,000 of conversion dollars? The answer is no. Well, why not? Because um, basically he hasn't had this conversion for more than five years. Oh, that five-year window. Yep. And he's not 59 and, he's and not a half. And 59 and a half yet. That's, again, the magical time when right. you can take money right. out. Will he, have, will he have tax and penalty-free access to the conversion in two and a half years' time, though? Yes. Because he's going to be 59 he's 59 and a half. He can do right? it. If, if he wants, he doesn't if he want, have to. He doesn't to. have to, but if he wanted to, he could. Now, again, those ages to review earlier in the show, you have to at 72. 72 take money from your IRA. Mm -hmm. That's one of them. 59 and a half is the big one, right? For yeah. a lot of rules, like the conversion rule. But if you don't um, need the money at 59 and a half, wouldn't you be better off holding off? And Right? For, right, absolutely. So the people get tripped up on this because of the whole is It's to do with how long, you, when was the conversion done? And how old are you? That's really what you got to think about with the conversion amount. The earnings are always typically going to be taxable unless you're 59 and a half or older 
and you did the conversion more than five years ago. So, John, good stuff. First off, Roth conversions. You've got questions? Call the Cowal Investment Group two six two five two two forty forty, and they can walk you through what we just discussed uh, with one of their advisors. We got to take a break, but I do want to sneak in this event quick. You're going to be a part of it, John. Give us the uh, who, what, where, when, that kind of stuff. Right. So uh, me and Mike Smith um, are going to be talking about long-term care insurance and the importance of long-term care planning for your retirement. Uh, that event is uh, scheduled for Thursday, September 29th at the Milwaukee Marriott West Hotel between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. Uh, you know, we talked about how long this should go for. I think an hour is good. Uh, long-term care is a huge topic. Um, Half hour doesn't do it justice. Right. Over an hour... You're going to lose people. Exactly right. So we want some <laughs> questions from the audience, obviously. But, you know, long-term care is a very important topic. Um, and, and I can see more and more where people are bringing up to me rather than me bringing up. Because you're seeing their relatives go into nursing homes and assisted living. Yeah, again, we're like living that. longer. Longer doesn't mean we're healthier, though. Correct. Exactly you may right. need help. Yeah, there is a good chance that male or female, you're going to need some sort of long-term care. Yeah. Um, so... You know, join us again Thursday, September 29th at the Milwaukee Marriott West Hotel between 6 and 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. to talk about long-term care. And Mike Smith does a great job with our clients. He's been on our show before. Mm -hmm. Do you have to register for the event? Yes, yes, absolutely. On the website? Go to the website and you'll see the information right there and you can RSVP. And you'll be Um, there, John White, with the Coal Investment Group. The number... Uh, that we gave before goes right to the call. We'd rather go to the website to do this, right? Right. Or but, you could call me either way, but... Okay, know. well, we'll give up mm-hmm. both. TheKowalWay.com. The number, 262-522. Okay, when we come back, the sexy segment, Spitzner, what do you got for us today? Uh, more taxes. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. You're taxing us yeah, to death over yeah. here. Yeah, yep, and that's what it's about. So we'll... we'll uh, oh, literally. Yeah. Uh, nobody's tuning out now. Yeah. We will be right back with that. It's about wealth management and preservation, a different spin every week on the sexy segment. This week, taxes with Aaron Spitzner and John White from the Kowal Investment Group. This is the Retirement Clinic. I'm Paul Cronforst on WISN. I'm for the sexy segment, WISN's Retirement Clinic with the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist, Aaron Spitzner, taking the reins on this one today. Yes, and it's nothing sexier than this title here, IRS Auditors Turning Up the Heat on Wealthy Taxpayers. So this is a, a, an article from the Financial Advisor magazine, and I thought it was appropriate given uh, some of the recent spending and, and money going towards the IRS. Federal audit rates for wealthy for the wealthy dropped over most of the past decade, but that is now changing as the IRS and the uh, Biden administration uh, have made tax enforcement a priority um, as they have uh, pledged to increase scrutiny of high net worth taxpayers. Uh, so just look at some of these numbers here. For all individual taxpayers, the average audit rate fell from 0.9% in 2010 to 0.25% in 2019. So that's a 72% decrease in audit rates. Um, and, you know, recently, uh, an IRS report has, uh, for incomes between 100000 and 500000 uh, those audits have risen 0.6% this year, doubling from 2019. The agency said audits for taxpayers making more than $10 million annually quadrupled, and audit rates for the $1 million to $5 million category more than doubled. So we can see that things are on the rise, and uh, that may just be the start, because this isn't even taking any... Uh, 
of the money from the Inflation Reduction Act into consideration here. So, um, and obviously that passed uh, mid-August, and that was about forty-five and a half billion dollars for enhanced IRS enforcement. For Billion with a forty-five and a half billion dollars for enhanced IRS enforcement. Gosh. Uh, so who's at risk? Uh, wealthy clients who hold foreign assets such as bank accounts, foreign trusts, foreign business interests. They're especially at risks. Uh, at risk. Uh, wealthy individuals who own affiliated business entities, partnerships, S and C corps, and then other trouble areas include sole proprietorships and pass-through entities, uh, gift tax returns, and private foundations. Uh, so on and so forth. So if you have a more complex return, your higher income, you're likely to be at a higher risk, um, and audits are on the rise. So the IRS generally audits back three years, but it can audit up to six years or longer. The statute of limitations on IRS audit can get longer if the agency sees certain behaviors. Well, they could... Well- <laughs> Yeah, you know, they can change so, the rules so as can, they play it, the game. Again, it can be any amount of years now. Why yeah. even mention it, right? Yeah, so you know, just something to be aware of. I thought that was interesting. Well, you know, with all, they, what did John say before? They hired eighty-seven thousand more IRS agents. Yeah, yeah, so you know, I think it was in total um, eighty billion uh, was allocated to the IRS, and forty-five and a half of that is going towards this enhanced IRS enforcement. Oh, so, boy. to no surprise, they're they're auditing obviously higher net worth individuals. Um, you know, with those uh, additional forces or troops. And if you're a business owner, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that yeah, those I, audits go up yeah, as well. Like it says, you know, the more complex return that you have, um, you know, maybe a higher percent chance you would be in. Uh, the more red flags audit. the IRS sees, yeah. don't let them see the red flag. So, you know, the, the takeaway I get from this is is obviously uh, hold on to all those financial documents that you have. Um Years and years ago, I, I worked at a bank, and and you'd get those phone calls occasionally of, "Hey, I need to find some statements from, you know, five six years ago." And uh, it, it's them. a pain for everybody to try to track these things down. So if you have them online, make sure you put them on some sort of encrypted drive. Yeah, you, you um, can't save that stuff digitally, yeah, right? I mean, other, otherwise, you know, just be in the habit of saving those documents because you never know when it's going to pop up. I'm thinking of Mar-a-Lago right now, right? All these boxes being held up by FBI agents. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they come into my house and say, well, never say never. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't want to say anything. IRS, if you're listening, I do everything the right way. There we go. Hey, did you want to say something about the Queen and her inheritance tax? Yeah, I guess the, I find it ironic that in the United States, if you have an estate over $1 million, and this assumes that you use the estate tax exemption. So just for 2022, you can gift away up to $12,060,000 as an individual. Spouses can do $24,120,000. Give all that money away without paying any estate tax. But let's just say you did that, mm-hmm. but you have a million bucks left over in your estate. Um, and there's some assumptions in here, but let's just say it's not an IRA. Well, guess what? Uh, you're going to be paying a 40% estate tax on that million bucks. 40. 40%. Now, in the United Kingdom, the inheritance tax is 40% as well. It, where the yeah. queen resided. Right. So she, um, she, she was, she's worth a lot of money, right? Oh, $600 million, I think. <sighs> and guess what? There's a special provision in British law that says that the queen doesn't have to pay inheritance tax. <laughs> of course there uh, is. So they get away without paying 40% on that money. King uh, uh, Charles III, which is, we've done KC3 yeah. here at W. I think that sticks, right? KC3. He's going to have the same provision, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Well, and, you know, so basically what happened with the inheritance tax is the reason they got the inheritance tax going, and Winston Churchill said this, is that we don't want the idle rich. 
to not have to pay their taxes. Because they're just going to keep growing their wealth if they don't have to pay this tax. Yeah. So that's the whole reason for it. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it, but there it is. There, that's good. Both of you, good stuff in today's sexy segment. Okay, DIY Sense Retirement Clinic. We'll be right back. The Cowell Investment Group and the Retirement Clinic, thanks to John White and Aaron Spitzner. That event's coming up, John. Yep, that long-term care event, Thursday, September 29th, uh, 6 p.m. at the Milwaukee Marriott West. You said go to thekowalway.com to register, or for any information, general information, thekowalway.com. Call them at 262-522-4040. Aaron Spitzner, have a great weekend. All right, thank you. You too. Thanks for your time. And John White, thank you so much for your time. Great show, thank both you. you guys today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Once again, the Retirement Clinic, Saturdays at 10 o'clock on WISN Milwaukee.